So, Mickey, how are the mountains? Uh, beautiful. Not too hot. Um, got a little storm, but we had a great time hiking. Really wore the dogs out when we got home. Uh, I think the dogs collapsed for a day and a half uh, from from all of the hiking. Exhausted. We included them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds so it like a, a great trip. sounds like it was a good trip. Yeah, it was. It's been super, super hot around here, so I can't. Yeah, hopefully it was a, at least a little cooler up there. But uh, welcome. Well, the mountains always give you a few degree break from that temperature. There you go. Uh, yeah, pro tip of the week: uh, when the heat rises, climb higher. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, welcome to Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. Our goal every week is to discuss the trait strategies and tactics that separate the best enrollment teams from the rest of the pack. We took last week off uh, to celebrate the 4th, and because uh, hopefully not many of you were working uh, last last Friday, but good to be back with you guys again. We actually want to pick up the conversation uh, where we uh, left off last week, where or I guess a couple weeks ago, where we were talking about CRMs and sort of we had we had left off with this idea of how to how do you think about selecting a new CRM? Mickey did a great job of sort of outlining. Okay, here's what we need to be thinking about. Here's from a dashboard standpoint. How do you uh, survey the people within the context of an institution to figure out what information they need and how do enrollment teams kind of build dashboards that help deliver that information? But if you're one of the uh, many enrollment managers who are in this position of it's the middle of the summer, you finally know what your budget is going to be or you have a rough sense of what that's going to be and the big thing on your to-do list, the top of you know the thing on your to-do list is to uh, select a new CRM, you might be thinking, how do you go about doing that? And so what we wanted to do is sort of kick off this episode with uh, asking Mickey that very question. Mickey has lots of experience in helping with this RFP process for institutions. So Mickey, just take it away. How do folks start thinking about selecting a new CRM? Give us sort of the, the A to Z or, or at least like the A to M sort of steps on how we think, how <laughs> folks should think about uh, this, this really, really important selection process. Sure. And it, it is an important selection process. It's a complex selection process. And m- many institutions go about it through this RFP process. And, and to, to an extent, many of them are regulated by RFP guidelines, purchasing guidelines that may be state mandated or just set by the institution itself. And that creates sometimes hurdles. But, you know, I come at this from being on both sides of this, helping schools um, build the RFPs, select the right technology, as well as someone who sometimes is submitting a bid to help implement some of this technology. So we see a look, we see both sides of it. And, you know, I'm Coming off submitting a couple of these this year, we don't submit a lot of bids ourselves, um, but we, we've submitted them. And, and But I do get to read, I don't know, two or three, maybe four of these RFPs every week. And, you know, for, for me, you know, it's sometimes challenging because as you read it, you can see glaring holes in the document. Hmm. And, and this is where not having any internal expertise and the technology you're trying to select can come to hurt you as an institution because you're not necessarily 
it's not that you don't always know what the requirements are and you do need to know the requirements, but how to articulate the requirements so that the vendors understand what you're looking for. So when you receive those proposals, you can look at as close to an apples to apples comparison as possible. And, and if, and if you really do well with this, it's not even that it's looking at Macintosh apples to Macintosh apples, Uh, because you can really begin to see how the features and functionality will compare. Because most of the time when I, when I look at a school's requirements, most of those requirements are going to be built in to Mm -hmm. the vendors that are supplying a bit. Um, you need to be able to communicate. So can you text, can you email, uh, mass and individual? Can you take your notes? Can you set up your events? Can you help track your counselor's travel schedules if they get to travel again at any point? Um, but you know, can, can a prospective student maybe book an appointment with a counselor, counselor through some type of portal? Having that in online applications, all those features, most of that exists. Uh, at least an 80% of what a pr- product provides you will meet your requirements. But what you have to start to understand, and this is where some of the holes are, is what does it really mean to maintain it? Uh, what does it mean to have access? So if you're choosing, you know, looking at the business model of the vendors, how do they price the tool? Is it based on the number of users for, you know, faculty staff that you have inside the tool? Is it based on the number of applications that you receive? Is it based on some other volume that they're measuring? <laughs> and that helps really understand some of the other impact. And then I'll take it a step further. And what does it really mean for you to implement and use it and then support it over the long term? Can you do this internally if this is a a CRM just for admissions? Can admissions support it themselves? Where does IT fit? Do they uh, have to support it, maintain it? And what knowledge do you really need to have or what level of knowledge must you have to support it appropriately and continue to develop and grow with the tool? What you don't want is to select a CRM, implement it over the next six to 12 months, go live, and then just stay at that level of use for the next three years of your contract. Sure. You should be advancing. Otherwise, you will fall behind. So sure. that's, you know, and, and collecting that information so that you can understand what it means to support it is important because that's really where the level of differences are starting to, to become. What does it mean? How many steps must you take to set, to schedule a complex text campaign? You know, knowing that not just do they have text, what does it mean to build it? Mm. What do we have to do? Is it, you know, are they dynamic live lists? Are they lists that have to generate and refresh every time I need to send? Seems like a little small nuance, but with what we're trying to do and the amount of time we have to give to operating the CRM, you want to know some of those things. And, and a big one, by the way, I just left out. One of the biggest ones to understand, integration. Integration is becoming bigger and bigger. If you are selecting a CRM, and you have other technology that you're currently using that you want to keep. So say you have another texting tool. Um, there are many out on the market. You could be looking at using something like SignalVine, or you could be using um, the Cadence product. You know that If you already have that and want to maintain it, what does it take to connect that to the CRM vendor you're looking at? Um, and making sure that you put those vendors on the hook to say specifically, how do you integrate? Who's responsible? For making this connection happen? Is it us? Is it you? What do you really do? So that if you don't have those technical resources, you're not spending an additional six months trying to get it connected. Or even worse, 
manually exporting and importing information between the tools. Sure, sure. So wait, uh, I want to go back a little bit because one of the things that jumped out was when you said you want to make sure we're comparing not just apples to apples, but Macintosh apples to Macintosh apples, right? And so what I love about that is I think one of the biggest challenges, and you know, I've read not nearly as many as you, but I've read my fair share of, of RFPs as well. And at face value, right, you can tell oftentimes, more times than not in my experience, that the person crafting this is well-intended. They, they have good intentions, and I know what they're trying to say, but it doesn't come off super clearly, and it could be interpreted in 87 different ways. And so what would be really interesting, and what, what I'd love your thoughts on, Mickey, is how do folks help be more specific in what they're asking for within the RFP? So like, for, for example, if... Because uh, every CRM thinks that they can do, mo well, I should say this, most CRMs think that they can do everything. And most CRMs with the right time, skills, effort, whatever, can do everything or close to that, right? So I wonder if it would be helpful for folks if maybe it was like during the process, let, let's just use texting as an example. Like, okay, texting is a requirement for, for your CRM. Um, but maybe within the RFP, it could be something like need to be able to set up texting campaign uh, in... 10 minutes or less or need to be able to send uh need to be able to set up a com flow in one hour or less like I, I wonder if like time could be uh a way in which to be a little bit more specific or maybe 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 a better way of saying this is like your average customer you know average crm customer spends x amount of time setting up campaign a or you know an email campaign versus uh, you know, uh, X uh, or Y, you know, um, um, time spent on setting up a text, a texting campaign looks like this. So in other words, I, I'm rambling here, but what do you think about doing something like that? Like how, do, how do folks get more specific in their requests so that they can better evaluate the actual product? So I'm going to take it a slightly different path, but getting to detail like you're talking about is important. I just look for a slightly different detail. So, and this is where understanding your requirements. So we're not looking for a tool that can just have email and texting functionality. How do you as an institution want to segment your audiences? Do you want to run dynamic campaigns for honors programs? Do you want to run something specific for veterans? Or how do you want to separate undergraduate or graduate? And maybe you don't necessarily know the answer. And this is where we start to fall apart in, in that level of detail because then you leave it to the to the uh, vendors to kind of either skip over it because it's not something that can be done easily for them. They don't know how to do it, um, although it could be done. You know, so you're not getting those great answers, and that's where you miss that requirements. But but what you can begin to do if you get to this level of detail in your RFP submission, provide to us the steps it takes to set up a segmented texting campaign for a specialized, I don't know, population. For example, honor students. Hmm. How might we set that up? Hmm. And give me screenshots, walk me through, because what, what's gonna happen is you might get five to 12 proposals. Sure. You are not going to, most likely, you are not gonna to talk to all 12. You could be eliminating two or three vendors that could really meet your requirements, but they did, they did not answer some of the questions in the way that you thought you asked them. It's not that they did a poor job submitting. It could be some misinterpretation of the question or didn't provide that 
step to really help you understand that it really is a three-click process. And someone else provides an answer that makes it seem like it is, but it's not. A three-click process is this is how you send a text campaign, but that campaign goes to everybody. Well, you may not always want to send a message to everybody. Um, And if you look at what it takes to make that message dynamic or to segment an audience, it's now 23 steps. And that you're not seeing that. Um, and you may discard others. And that's that's getting to that level of detail so you can really understand some of that. And then once you have a good idea of those proposals, uh, of what they are, then you can – that's generally with schools say, hey, we want to talk to some of these. Let's see some um, demonstrations. And, and another flaw in this process I see um, – and you want to be rigid and you want to be fair. Um, but giving each vendor 60 minutes of proposal time our demonstration time to come in virtually in person, whatever it may be. And you've got somebody with a stopwatch on that's not necessarily going to best benefit your institution. If you want to have a stopwatch for the actual demonstration piece, sure, but don't necessarily have a stopwatch for your committee's use of time to ask questions so that they understand and feel comfortable about the product mm. because having a stopwatch limits your ability for the committee to fully understand what they're investing potentially a million dollars in. Sure. Could be a few hundred thousand, could be a million over the next three years. And you want to make a decision because up it's 60 minutes exactly. We've got to stop. You can't answer that important question that the director of IT just asked. We've got to stick to the letter. You know, and I want to respect those those guidelines and those restrictions that you have. Those are in place and that you want to keep something fair. I would try to find ways to keep it fair to say, look, the demonstration is this amount of time. We're going to leave it for the committee to ask whatever questions they need so that they have the information they feel comfortable with to accurately assess. You know, you don't typically go into an interview process for a candidate. If you're trying to hire, a, a, I don't know, a vice president uh, for a position, you don't have an interview to say, up. Oh, okay, interview committee, you can't ask any more questions. The time's up. You can't know any more about this candidate. You just got to make a decision. You sure. wouldn't want to hire that way. Why would you want to invest in technology that way? Sure, sure. So help me understand. I think you're you're highlighting a couple uh, this a little bit already, but flesh this out a little bit further for us. Like, what are some of the blunders that you've seen? Like specific blunders that you've seen in sort of this process, whether that's you know on the institution side of things, whether that's uh, you know in, in the actual crafting of the RFP, or in situations where you all have helped clients with the evaluation process. Um, what are some sort of common blunders? I lost you. Can you hear me? Oh yes, yes. Did you hear my question? Sorry. I, I, what are some of the, what are, oh, okay, there we go. Uh, I was like, wow, pausing for dramatic effect. This is great. Um, no, what are some, <laughs> what are some of the common blunders that you've seen, whether it's in the actual crafting of the RFP, like meaning a RFP that you have reviewed and, or when you all are helping schools uh, evaluate and make a decision, um, where, where do you see sort of common missteps? Um, well, in the in the in the in the original submission itself, I've seen institutions say, "Hey, don't give us your proposal. We want you to propose in our form," and okay. it's really like a a, a readable or editable PDF. Uh, and I've even seen it go so far as is 
all they want is for you to say, check if you can do these 12 tasks for an implementation. And, and this one, by the way, let me just clarify. I'm, I'm referencing an RFP I saw this calendar year that was for the implementation of a, of a vendor that's already been selected. So they just need help implementing it. But it says, can you, um, can you do these, I don't know, 10 tasks as part of implementation? Check yes or no. Provide three references and a price. And the bidding gets awarded to the responsible bidder with the lowest price. Yeah. That's how they're going to yeah. score. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so it, I, I don't even, I, I'll just leave it at that. That leaves such a wide open space for failed implementation. Um, you know, I think with this particular one, the particular, um, platform they're willing to implement is, is one that there aren't going to be 30 firms that can do. Um, so hopefully that, I, that I, I would say has probably a little bit more likelihood, um, you know, but if let's just say that was Salesforce, for example, if that was the proposal you have for implementation, I, I would be scared uh, about if I worked at an institution about what I'm going to end up with um, when you when you bid it that way. I and mean, we have actually picked up two proposals from um, or two projects rather from institutions that had failed implementations off of some variation of that type of RFP process because they didn't really know what to ask for a B they didn't know how to assess the, the um, re received proposals uh, and they ended up selecting firms that had no higher ed experience or very limited higher experience, you know, and if you're trying to implement a, uh, a, C a CRM, let's just say like Salesforce that can be used for multiple industries. Yeah. And you have a firm that knows the tool, but doesn't know how you operate you're not going to get a great product. Well, the likelihood of you getting a great product is dramatically reduced because they don't necessarily know, especially at the price point um, that they may charge, they may not know how you're operating currently in your current CRM or current SIS for your operations and then how to then move those over and how to help modify business processes so that they match um, what needs to happen in the CRM and matches what needs to happen with your team. All of that needs to come together. And if they don't have that experience, that becomes um, a, a potential failed implementation and a lot of frustration that's it's just unneeded uh, from from that. So, you know, I've seen, seen that uh, in terms of other holes. Um, I'll just go back to what we were just saying. The requirements are too loose. Yeah, and so yeah. can you do this? Can you, you know, can you, what, you know, do you have an event uh, platform? Yes. Well, you know, what matters to you about events? How clean do you want that events page to look? Does it need to integrate with your website? Uh, if it needs to integrate with your website, what website calendar tool do you use so that they can say yes or no, it does integrate, right? Um, and what are the steps to get that to integrate? What is your role as a vendor to get it to integrate? Knowing that level of information, it's a pain to submit that RFP as a, as a, as a proposer. Uh, for that, because there's a lot of information you have to provide, but it's really the information that helps the institution understand what needs to be done to make the tool work to understand the fit. So, you know, my head is like spinning as you're talking about all these things, because it's like, this is just a lot of work. And it, and yet it's, it's incredibly important, right? I don't think like you've made the case, you've convinced me that uh, this selecting a CRM 
or SAS, whatever the software is, right, where you're going to be investing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in some context over a short, relatively short period of time is an incredibly important decision. Um, walk us through, though, like, what is the ideal situation, right, from an institution that says, like, I, the president, let's just say, has said, we need a new CRM. Uh, not that presidents say that uh, specifically too often, but let's just say that it's a university-wide effort everyone's in agreement that we need a new CRM. What is like the ideal process according to Mickey Baines for what happens between that proclamation and between like go live? And I know that there's a lot there, but like I want to challenge you to to give us sort of that process, that ideal process in a couple of minutes. Yep. So first, why do you need a new CRM? What's the goal? What are we? What is this tool going to do to help us achieve? What What will it help us achieve? And then let's take it a step further. Once we know what it's going to help us achieve, it's going to help us increase um, the diversity of our incoming class of new students. It's going to help grow our overall enrollment of the new freshman class by two percent or five percent. Okay. Once we know that, what needs to occur from our team and our institution to achieve those? And then how do we align that with the technology? So we need to have a better job identifying who our diverse candidates are. All right. Then that's we need to understand that. So that starts working your way into a requirement. Once you start understanding all those kind of steps, putting those into requirements, then you put out your RFP. Um, again, we're walking this all the way to go live, right? Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. So I've got this RFP that's probably has hopefully three pages or so of um, of requirements that list out what we need to have and you, you want your um, your proposers to respond to and describe how they um, can achieve those requirements. Uh, you review them, you narrow that down to three or four that you see a demo from, and you make your evaluation. Once you select, you're ready to begin the implementation. Hopefully that implementation is going to include, um, you know, a lot of I think we're beyond the, the the experience most CRM vendors trying to say we can get you live in six weeks or ten weeks. That's you know, that's not normal uh, to be able to to get live that quickly unless you have such a small, minimal, viable product um, that you just want to start putting names and information in it and not fully using it. But but you have generally a six to twelve month process of building this tool out to meet all of your requirements. At the same time, you've got your support team that are going to need to manage it, working with um, the vendor and or implementer to to learn what, what's being built and put in there so that they can manage it. You are working on your communication strategy. If you are getting a CRM, you don't have one or you're getting an old, you have an old one that you're moving to a new one, more advanced version of a CRM, and you don't change your communication strategy – you're wasting the use of the new advanced CRM. You need to think about how do we modify your communication strategy? How do you segment? How do you personalize? That needs to occur. You also need to look at how do we process applications if we're going to use the application feature of the CRM? What are we using to process now? How do we might, uh, modify those processes for the CRM to take advantage of this tool and then train and prepare our folks accordingly? Uh, and have all of that, not training on the tool, but training on the change process so that when the tool is ready to go live, you have your training. And now that you know what the new process is, this is actually how you make it work inside the CRM. We have that end user training, your power user training, and then you're ready to go live 
which would then follow with three to six or eight weeks of support from that uh, vendor slash implementer. There you have it. Should probably be a 15 to 18 month process from the point of requirements gathering to being live. Do you think actually a uh, quick question back on the demo? So I've seen, uh, again, a few, a handful, not not nearly as many as I'm sure you've seen or, or been a part of. But when during the demo process, when you've whittled it down to your top three or four candidates, uh, any sort of like good question, like uh, what do you think has, has sort of been like the best demo? Like what what should folks be expecting in that experience and how should they be able to identify a really, really good demo from like a really, really bad demo. Because in, in theory, right. Um, in theory, by yeah. that point, right. Like you understand the qualification, you understand what the software is capable of. Like you understand that, okay, these are the bells and whistles that it can do. Uh, you've whittled out the ones that can't do it. So is it just like a regurgitation of what has already been submitted in the RFP or, or what, what, how should enrollment managers best like leverage and optimize the demo process? So let me just say from the institutional perspective, have your team ready to see a demo. And let me define what that means. I've been in many institutions where some of the folks in the selection committee have never seen a CRM. Ah. And so the first CRM, even so the first demo they see, it could be the worst possible fit and product for them. But it looks amazing. Could, could meet, could right? And it looks amazing, right? And so you, it's hard to ju judge because they're learning that first year and they're seeing that demo. They're wowed and they're just learning what technology does. And it's hard for them to compare and they learn a little bit more every time through. So what type of um, demo video can you show them ahead of time so that they're more prepared of what they will see so they can better discern um, the value of the products they're looking at and the fit of the products they're looking at uh, going. So I'd have them a little more prepared. Um, and I think from the vendor side, understanding how an institution is prioritizing the requirements. Hmm. So if you have a requirement um, from an institution that really doesn't fit you well, and it's really important uh, for that institution, for me, I think we should acknowledge that. Let's say, you know, here's, this is where we might struggle a little bit with fit for you. Um, but the reason we're proposing is because we think all of this really fits well. Um, and I think acknowledging that um, and then building your demo around what they are interpreting to be the mo or what you're interpreting as a vendor from the institution. Hopefully it's clear what the real priorities are in building around that. I love that. Yep. I, I love the idea, too, of, of specifically ensuring that your team is equipped with the insight that they need in the background context that they need to understand how to ask really, really good questions in the, the demo experience. And, you know, demo experience as, as a partner, as a vendor, right? Like you got your best salesperson there. They know the product inside and out and their goal is to make you feel really good and show you all the shiny, great things and, uh, not spend too much time talking about maybe some of the underdeveloped portions of the product. And so if in fact you have equipped your team with, uh, again, enough context to be able to ask really, really good, meaningful qu questions around like, how is this specifically like my role as a admissions counselor is to 
get on the phone with prospective students. How is this specifically? Walk me through how this is specifically going to make my life easier. And then, you know, uh, couple that with, all right, here, you know, this person's more responsible for Marcom within the enrollment office even. Like, this is what they care about. They care about having a really, really easy to, you know, tools that are really easy to help create dynamic emails and personalized text campaigns. Can you do this? Okay. Walk me through how you, you are specifically going to make my job easier. And if, you know, everyone in the room, all stakeholders are convinced that this particular product is going to make each of their individual roles easier while also giving leadership the insight and information that they need to make good decisions, then you have a winner. It's as simple as that, right? Exactly. Yep. That's it. (laughs) Okay, so final question um, for you, and again, we could talk more more about this at, at a later point too. But then, this is such a such an important process. It's also you know where a lot of schools um, spend a fair amount of their budget is especially you know more and more is in this idea of how do you build the right tech stack for your institution, and a great CRM is a key component to that. How do like? Can you talk, and again, I don't know how comfortable you are with with sharing this, um, but so you can be as vague or as specific as you want, but looking at sort of like the CRM marketplace right now, like who who do you think is, um, like who, what are the best CRMs? And again, this varies so much depending on context, and I totally get that, but like how would you like rank the top three CRMs and then where, and then, and, and then maybe like some of the folks that are like runners up that you think like could have really great, great opportunity, but might need to do a little bit more work from a product standpoint. Um, well, I'm, I don't want to say too much about specific vendors other than this is where that understanding your institutions prioritize requirements. Do you need a tool that's going to be more helpful in lead generation, lead nurturing, application processing, um, portal experience. What are those priorities? And then what you should find is that you will start to separate the products um, based on that. You can find products that are a little better at the operational side than they are maybe at lead generation side. And so if you know what you need to optimize for most, and rank order those requirements, you can start breaking them apart. You'll find there are some smaller vendors out there that are, are, that are growing, have some really great, cool, clean-looking um, tools. Um, Element 451, Fire Engine Red, I like those. Those aren't going to be perfect for everybody, but I do like those tools. I've been impressed when I've seen um, and met with their teams and seen their tools and where they're headed with the roadmap. Um, then you've got long-term uh, folks that have been in this uh, market for uh, 15, maybe 20 years at this point. You've got Slate, obviously Salesforce. You've got Salesforce managed packages with um, TargetX and Enrollment RX. Um, you know, I see a lot of rapid development occurring. Um, where I really see is uh, a lot of growth is inside of um, or, or expanding beyond just admissions. There's just a lot of time and effort being committed to helping bring this type of technology and functionality to advisors, student success teams, one-stop operations, you know, and I'm seeing more, many more conversations every year uh, for the past several years about the use of CM for that. And once you start moving into that, I think having a plan 
and path to connect all of that functionality is important. Not necessarily connect it with a single platform. Um, a lot of times that is a, a good avenue. It's not the single avenue to take, but knowing how to connect that so that you can share all of that a new type of data that you're collecting and using uh, for your teams that you can't use within an SIS is important. So, um, you know, I, I would say look at what your rank ordered priorities and re- of the requirements are and then see how those tools because, you know, because that will change, you know, your ranking of them or it should change. I love that. Very, very, very helpful and appreciate that context. And I think that if folks follow that, that as a process that will uh, inevitably get you to a much better outcome than if if you don't follow that process and, and, and go and approach this blindly. So thank you for outlining that. Uh, anything else kind of top of mind, Mickey, uh, before we close out today's episode? Well, I think we should pause there. I think in the next few weeks, we should uh, be able to talk a little bit more about school's plans for reopening because those are starting to emerge. Uh, and there's some interesting developments, uh, something I'm fascinated about and, and am really looking forward to see what the plans will be for most institutions. So I think we'll have a lot of conversation um, to have in the next few weeks about that. Fantastic. Well, thank you, sir, for your time. Enjoy the weekend and we'll chat more next week. See you next week.